community? Did you notice the microphone worked? <laughs> We're going to be starting in Matthew chapter 16 this morning. That's our primary text where we're going to be. And then we're going to look at a few other uh, verses in, in the Gospels. But Matthew 16 is our primary um, text. So we're in this fourth week of the series called Balo. Uh, you see the fishing theme. You see the net up there. Balo is a Greek word. It means to cast. And so what are we casting? We're casting Jesus's invitation we're casting his invitation for people to know him, to understand who he is, to follow him. And so this is, what we're, this is the very best invitation. I mean, it's, there's no greater invitation you're ever going to get. Um, so far, we've looked at the first invitation, which was come and see. And then we saw how he said, follow me. And then last week, we, he said, come fishing. Let me teach you how to do what I'm doing. Let me teach you how to share this and, and, and continue to follow me and learn from me. Today, what we're doing, uh, we're, we're going to cover uh, the fourth and fifth invitation. So you get a two-for-one special here. So it's a combo, um, but that doesn't mean it's two messages. So it's like we're going to be here until like 1.30, no. Um, and here's the thing, and, and the reason I did this actually was because um, I, I look at this, and the fourth invitation is to, I think it's probably the least popular of the invitations we find Jesus making, um, but it's followed by the most empowering invitation. And so these invitations actually go hand in hand. Uh, the fourth invitation is this. It is for us to deny ourselves. Deny ourselves. So that's the fourth invitation. You're going, that doesn't sound like an invitation, but it is. It's an invitation from Jesus for us to deny ourselves. And then, so that's to give up our own way, to give up selfish motives constantly in our lives. Um, and then the fifth invitation from Jesus is to receive the Spirit. Deny self, receive the Spirit. Now, now think about that for a moment. Moment. Think about those two. Do you, do you see how the first must happen in order for us to truly live into the second? That we must deny ourselves if we truly want to live into, receive, operate under the influence and the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Deny self, receive the Spirit. The Spirit and the self are in a battle all the time. The spirit and self are in a battle all the time. And friends, if you do not think so, or if you're going, well, I guess, I mean, she's saying it. Is it true? I'm just telling you, do a, do a five-minute self-examination of your life, of your day, of this morning. And what you may find is a spirit and self altercation. If we were to pay attention, if we were to look and notice and, and recognize what's going on in our life, in our mind, that's where the battle is often between self and the Holy Spirit of God. Self and spirit. And the perfect example of this is found in Matthew chapter 16. Jesus is in his ministry. He's teaching his disciples and we see this in, in just a matter of a few verses. Simon Peter, a.k.a. Peter as we know him, 
We see him operating in such a, in like a communion with Jesus that Jesus actually like tells him he's blessed and gives him this promise to establish the church and, and just this wonderful moment. Like, and he actually is like, you're going to be Peter and I'm going to, you're the rock. I'm going to build the church on you. I mean, it's just a marvelous moment where he just like renames him and blesses him. I mean, who, who wouldn't want that, right? It's a holy, holy thing. But then things flip. But let's start in verse 15 of Matthew 16. Jesus is asking his disciples who he is. He's like, okay, there's a lot of people saying a lot of things. He asked them, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You didn't learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. I mean, what, a, what an amazing interaction with, with a, a, a flawed person like Peter to, for Jesus to say, you are blessed and I'm going I'm to establish my church through you and through your leadership. But then just, I mean, a couple of verses, three, three to five verses later, here's what happens. So you see this like operating and like just, you know, communing with God, operating in the spirit. And then verse 21, read this, hear this. From then on, so Jesus continuing his ministry, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to make his way to Jerusalem. And that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of the religious law. He would be killed. This is what Jesus is communicating to his disciples. That he would be killed. But on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. And I don't know how much Peter heard that last little comment that Jesus made. I think he was starting to get really stirred up and riled up the fact that Jesus was willingly going to go to Jerusalem and be and suffer many terrible things at the hands of people who did not believe in him and who just wanted harm to come to him. I don't know if Peter was really hearing that last part about the resurrection because verse 22, Peter took him aside took him aside, and he began to, here's a word we don't often hear in regard to us communicating with Jesus. He began to reprimand him, saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. And Jesus turned to Peter and said, not Oh, you're blessed. Here's a new name. I'm going to build the church on you. He says, get away from me, Satan. Just a couple of verses. Peter, you are blessed. And now get away from me, Satan. And then he goes on. He says, you are a dangerous trap to me. And then he, he explains all this. What we're talking about here today. Jesus says, you 
are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Self, spirit. Self, spirit. Jesus calls Peter blessed in one moment, and then the next moment he calls him Satan. Now, he doesn't say, oh, Peter, you're foolish. Oh, Peter, you're hot-headed. Like, he doesn't even say you've sinned. Like, don't do. He just flat out says, you are Satan. <laughs> why, why does Jesus do this? Jesus is saying that he recognizes this line of thinking. He recognizes this, this line of reasoning. He, he recognizes this, this voice, this temptation of deny of of take care of yourself okay see a little over three years before this interaction just before jesus began his public ministry he goes off into the desert and he spends 40 days fasting and praying He's in preparation in, to be living in a human form and to begin his ministry that has a clear ending in his human form. And during that time of fasting and praying, Satan himself comes to tempt him. And he, and he reasons with him, he tempts him with the things of the flesh, the things of self, the things that you and I deal with, because he's like, okay, uh, here, you don't have to do this hard thing. You don't have to go the, the difficult route. You don't have to do the sacrificial thing. You don't have to spill your blood. You don't have to do that. And I mean, that is, a, that is an offer that I think many of us would lean into if we knew that it, it, we might come to harm that our bodies might be hurt by a, a what's to come, and someone were to say, well, here's, a, here's another option, right? I mean, this is how much the, the self and the spirit are in a, in a battle, as, as long as you and I are on this earth. I mean, the, the most faithful believer on this earth still deals with a struggle between self and spirit. Jesus is, he, he's being tempted with this offer of avoidance. You know, Satan's, I'll give you the world. I'll, I'll, you came for it, I'll give it to you. All you gotta do, just bow down. Just bow down to me. Just, we'll just take care of this right now. You bow down to me. Don't need to go to the cross. You don't, you know, just spare yourself. Choose yourself. And so Jesus recognizes this. The same kind of reasoning coming out of Peter's mouth. And so in our text, we find Peter saying the similar thing to him, to Jesus. No, no, choose self. No, no, we're going to protect you. You're going to protect you, Jesus. Spare yourself. Go, you know, heaven forbid. And it actually, it was, no, heaven commanded. Heaven determined that this was the way. And so, Jesus' response to Peter, saying the same kind of words and using the same kind of reasoning that he heard from Satan himself in the desert, Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. No. This is how it says in NIV. 
Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And isn't that the way? I mean, it's, it's, we're humans. We have human concerns. But Jesus is showing us, porch community, that there are actually times and moments and situations and circumstances quite often that we do not see, we do not hear, or maybe we don't want to. When he is saying, I want you to choose the leading of the Holy Spirit. I want you to trust the, what I'm speaking to you and telling you over and above yourself. Over and above yourself. Concerns of God or human concerns. What do we, what do we value more? What, I mean, we, do, we, do we value sacrifice more than comfort? I want to say yes. Don't you? I mean, don't you want to say yes? It's like you know that that's what, that would be the right answer on the test. But it's like, oh, what do we value more? We choose comfort over hardship. We do. We, we go, oh, if I, don't, if I don't absolutely have to sacrifice, then I'm not going to. We choose self. And as humanity, as human people, we do everything we can to avoid self-sacrifice. And we put a high, high priority on our personal comfort. A high priority on our personal comfort. And this is why Jesus' chastisement to Peter, in effect, says... You're assuming, Peter, that God in the flesh is going to respond in the flesh. Jesus never responded in the flesh. He responded with his flesh for you and for me. He never responded in the flesh like I'm going to choose myself. He responded with his flesh. He gave his life for us. We're celebrating communion today. Jesus never responded in the flesh. He responded with his flesh. Now, continuing in Matthew uh, down in verse, chapter 16, down in verse uh, 24. So Jesus has rebuked Peter for advocating for Jesus' comfort and safety over and above his coming sacrifice. He's like, don't even, let's not even go to Jerusalem. Let's, just, let's go somewhere else. And I'm sure, I mean, I'm, I'm positive that the other disciples, the other followers that were there as they hear this, you know, I know it says that, Je- that Peter took Jesus to the side and reprimanded him, but... I mean, it's recorded for it. At least Matthew heard about it because he wrote about it, <laughs> right? They heard about it. They heard this, this get behind me Satan statement that was just made. And you know that they had to be like, what's happening here? 
We just heard Jesus say he was blessed. We just heard something about a, he's a rock and upon the church. The church is going to be built on him. And now this, what is going on? This has to be such a confusing moment. So Jesus, knowing it's a confusing moment, he explains to all of them why he has the reaction that he has to Peter. And I'm going to read this very slowly. Some of you are going, come on, finish up reading, reading this little, these two verses. Like, read them up, you know, three verses. Um, but I'm going to read them slowly on purpose. Yesterday, as I was reading through this again, and just what I, what I do on Saturdays, I just I spent some time, I stopped to pray, and I asked the Holy Spirit, to take this incredibly familiar, incredibly familiar passage to so many of us and make it brand new as if we'd never heard it before and to, to let it bring conviction if necessary, to let it bring challenge if necessary, let it be a reminder of our call and our purpose as followers of him, okay? So I'm going to read verse, beginning in verse 24 of Matthew 16. This is Jesus explaining why he responded to Peter the way that he did. Then Jesus said to his disciples... If, right there, that puts, the, that puts it on you and me, friends. If. If any of you wants to be my follower. Think about that. He's talking to his disciples. He's talking to people who have committed to follow him. He's talking to people who have responded to the first three invitations. Come and see, follow me, come fishing. He's responding to them and he says this to them. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must, you must give up your own way. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way. There it is. It's the self. He says in verse 25, if, again, that's, it comes to us. This is, we choose this, friends. If we want to follow him, there's a choice there. Do I want to follow him? Do I not? Am I just going to say I'm following him? Or am I really following him? If you try to hang on to your life, 
What does that mean? What does that look like for you? To hear that phrase, if you try to hang on to your own life. So convicting to me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. You'll lose it. But if, again, that's for us to determine, are we going to do this? But if you give up your life, if you give it up, if you surrender it, if you give it up, and not just to say you did it, but he says, if you give up your life for my sake, See, I read those words right there, friends, and, and often I think, like, I, I want to in moments and in, in maybe, maybe seasons, I want to, I'll say I'm giving up my life, I'm making a sacrifice, I'm, I'm choosing something, but, but when I get, when that doesn't last, when it, when it fizzles out, what I find is because I didn't I didn't finish the rest of the sentence because he says, if you give up your life for his sake. You know, it's like when, you know, I don't know if any of you have ever said, I'm going to do a fast. Well, doing a fast for his sake is a lot easier than doing a fast and saying, just so you can tell people you're doing a fast. <laughs> Giving up making choices that are difficult for his sake. He says, if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And then I think this is just Jesus' way of just, he, he knows that as, he, as he's saying these words, the battle is being, you know, like painted. It's like you see the spirit, the self and the spirit having a, a battle here. There's a, a war description happening here between spirit and self. And he's, he's showing this. And it's like, Jesus, he's just like, okay, I'm going to just make it. I'm going to hit this home here to make sure you understand. Because he says in verse 26, just in case, like you're going, oh, I don't know, but there's so much I can get. There's so much I can attain. He says, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world? Remember what the enemy offered to him? You can have it all, Jesus. Just bend your knee to me. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul. He's like, there is a battle between the spirit and the self. And when you choose self, you don't just lose in, in the, the temporary things of life, right? You don't, it's, your soul is lost. And then, again, he just hits this home. He asks the question, 
is anything worth more than your soul? Jesus' very presence in, in, in the physical form. His sacrifice that he's told them he's going to Jerusalem to endure and make for them is proof of the worth of your soul. And he makes it so clear that there are these two different approaches to life. Either deny self or put self first. And so he's drawing his disciples and thus you and me today into this understanding of the sacrificial nature of God's entire kingdom. It starts with him, but it doesn't end with him. It's to continue with us. Some of you may have heard of a Scottish guy from the 19th century named George MacDonald. He actually was, a, he was a, a minister, a poet, a novelist. He, he was actually kind of the forerunner of uh, some of like the fantasy writing that has like uh, Tolkien and, and Lewis followed. It was his writings that actually um, C.S. Lewis read and that were pivotal in, in leading him to say yes to Jesus. This is who this guy is. And this is what he wrote. He said this, The self is given to us that we may sacrifice it. It is ours that we, like Christ, may have something to offer. Not that we should torment it, but that we should abandon it utterly. The self is given to us that we may sacrifice it. That we are called to a life of sacrifice. And that looks like so many different, it, it, that manifests in so many different ways. We are called to deny ourselves just as Jesus denied himself. So the fourth invitation from Jesus to deny self sets up for his followers, the fifth invitation, which is to receive the Spirit. Turn to John chapter 20. John chapter 20, beginning in uh, verse 19. And what we're going to see here is, um, well, we'll just read it. How about that? Let me tell you what we're about to read. I'll just read it. Verse 19, John 20. That Sunday evening, okay, this is, uh, Jesus has now, he has gone to Jerusalem. He has done what he said he was going to do, even though Peter said, God forbid it. But he was like, no, no, this is God's, this is God's doing. And he went and he gave his life and he died and he was buried. And three days later, he was resurrected. And it says that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Everything was in upheaval. 
And suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. So there's this supernatural thing that occurs where he, the door didn't open, but there is Jesus among them. And he says, peace be with you. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and in his side. And they, this is an understatement, they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And again, he said, peace be with you. Can you imagine the lack of peace that had been going on those couple of days? Can you imagine what was happening as they're like, what, who, we believed in this and what's happening and when are we going to, and now peace be with you, he says, as the father has sent me, this is important, he says, so I am sending you, I'm sending you. And then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, this isn't the first time that God has breathed on or into his creation. At the very outset in Genesis 2, the man was formed from the dust of the earth, and God breathed life into his nostrils, and he became a living being. So in Genesis, God breathed at at creation into the man, and physical life was given. Okay, and now here in John chapter 20, Jesus is breathing on his followers, and he's giving them spiritual life. They're given physical life and now spiritual life. Interestingly, side note, nerd alert, the same word in Hebrew... For breath, it's the same word as spirit. It's this ah sound. Side, side note, Abraham and Sarai, Sarah, both of their names change with the uh because God had done a work in them. That's a cool thing. Just check that out later. That's the Hebrew word for breath and spirit. Ah. The same word in Greek for breath and spirit. Numa. There's a correlation even in our language that the breath of God is the spirit of God. It is his presence. It is his work. It is his power, breath and spirit. Why receive the spirit? Why? What's the importance of, of Jesus appearing to them and saying, peace, and breathing on them, receive the spirit? Because... This invitation from Jesus is meant to empower them. They're they're about to do something. He he made a promise to them back in John chapter 14. Because he said, breathed on and filled by the Holy Spirit, Jesus said that we are to do even greater things for the kingdom than he did in the three years that he was doing ministry on this earth. Even greater things. If we're not denying self, <laughs> if we're not, if we haven't received the Spirit, we're we're missing out on, on what God has for us. He said in John 14, 12, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. We have work to do. 
And so the invitations that Jesus offers to us to come and see, just to find out, to follow him, to, to follow his ways, to see how he draws people unto himself and teaches them, and then to, for us to deny ourselves and receive the Holy Spirit of God. It, it's, it's there. He's got work for us to do. Forty days later in the Mount of Olives, Jesus promised his followers that they would receive the Holy Spirit power, which we know of in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says, you're going to go to the ends of the earth. Two invitations from Jesus. Deny self, receive the Spirit. And just as God breathed life into Adam, Jesus breathes spiritual life into those who follow him. Porch community, followers of Jesus, you are called to a life of self-denial and spirit reception. That's who you are. That's who you're supposed to be. You're called to a life of self-denial and spirit reception. Are you wondering why you're flat? Are you wondering why you feel like you're spinning your wheels? Are you wondering why you're struggling? Are you wondering why you're just like, I don't, I just, I can't get any excitement. I'm just not even motivated by things of God. I mean, I'm, I'm here today and I'm, that's, that's all I got. I, I understand that. I understand that. But we are called to a life of self-denial and spirit reception. Don't we want to? Don't we want to? Don't we want to receive what God has for us? Not so that we can say, look what I got, but so that we can share it with others. Balo, to cast it out. This self-denial, spirit-receiving life is a journey of continually surrendering our will and our desires to God and continually being filled by his Holy Spirit. So as we now shift our gaze, but, but not our, I hope, our, our devotion, right? Our desire to, to be in the presence of God. As we, but as we shift our gaze to the communion table, I just want to repeat this. Jesus, unlike us, never responded in the flesh. He responded with his flesh for us. I'll ask those who are serving communion to come and, and prepare the elements to serve one another. Um, so if you'll come and do that and the band comes out. What does communion signify? Um, communion, um, well, as we celebrate it, we, we see it as Jesus's ultimate act. This is Jesus's ultimate act of self-denial 
dying in the flesh, being made alive in the spirit. Communion here at the porch is open to everyone. It is open to all who desire to be in relationship with God through Jesus Christ. If that is the, 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 the smallest, tiniest desire of your heart, you are welcome at this table. Because this, this, this sacrament is a form of God's grace. It's a tangible something that we see and touch and we can smell and taste even. Communion's an act of remembrance. He gave his life for us. So we dare not come to take communion. We come to receive it. We come to receive what Jesus has done for us. And so I always like to remind our wonderful communion servers that you will lovingly pause and wait for all who come to receive, that you will come with hands, palms open. We're not coming to take anything. None of this, this isn't ours to take. This is from God for us to receive. This is a humble gesture, friends. You know what this, this looks like? This looks like this looks like someone who is needy and without and is begging, doesn't it? Isn't that who we are? Aren't we in need? Come to receive. And then you'll take that bread and dip it in the cup. And you'll hear these words that this loaf, this bread represents the body of Jesus Christ, which has been broken for you. That's Jesus' self-denial right there. And this cup represents his blood, which has been poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. His self-denial for us so that we might have life. As the servers serve one another, would you pray with me? Father God, We thank you for Jesus. Lord, thank you that he shows us the way. He shows us the truth. He shows us that he's life. Lord, would our very participation in this sacrament this morning represent a desire for self-denial, a, a, a laying down of how we have chosen self over and over and over again to the detriment of the kingdom of God because we have chosen self so much we have not heeded the Holy Spirit's leadings we have not been filled up with the Holy Spirit's 
power and anointing, and we have walked by people, we have walked by circumstances, we have neglected to be your light, your salt, your presence on this earth. God, forgive us through Jesus Christ for choosing self. Forgive us, we pray. Thank you for your son. The Messiah. The Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. Amen.